Hello and welcome to the unofficial, unsanctioned women's UCI cycling show. This episode may be referred to in the future as Ding Dong, the witch is dead, meaning Pat McQuaid is gone, or, oh my god, Sarah's dying because she has a terrible cough and may possibly die during the recording of this podcast. Hi, Sarah, please don't die. Hello, it's true. I'm really, really hoping Dan doesn't make me laugh too much because laughing leads to coughing and coughing leads to one less lung. And fortunately, fortunately, we, we all know that I'm not the funny one on this podcast. So, <laughs> and, Oh my goodness, I had so much news this week, Dan. I know, I mean, honestly, I thought, I thought after last week when we basically did our world's post-mortem that, you know, we'd have a little bit of transfer news and possibly talk about cross because you know we're running out of actual interesting cross. things to talk about oh. and um did you, did you hear <laughs> that sorry. that was the sound yeah, of all the cross you. riders throwing their phones and and pod ipods and stuff across the train carriage or, or whatever it is that they do um, you realize you realize you realize daniel doesn't understand cross because a he's australian so you know the kind of did you know tradition- i realized this year we do actually have cross in australia but it's all basically in melbourne and um you do, and, and it's 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 one weekend because there's only actually one weekend in australia cold enough to have cross but you know and lisa jacobs who's a lawyer in her in her i know is terrifying one. and awesome in every facet of her life yes there's- very funny woman, very funny woman. I really recommend her Ride Happy blog because she's hilarious. But she was the first ever Australian national champion. champion. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so they don't have Australians don't have mud and wind and rain. They have crocodiles and forest fires and things like that, which and, I still maintain. And venomous, very- venomous kangaroos and um, yeah, you yeah. Know, but other things. also um, Daniel, Daniel. Oh, oh. Well, maybe when you come to Europe, you should come in the winter. <laughs> and we could take it to a cross race in Belgium. Okay, first of all, I can't imagine well, any sport that's better for you, dear, because of the beer tent. Well, I was going to say, as long as someone else is willing to basically constantly go back and forth to ferry me beer, I'd probably be okay with that. But I would need, I have to admit, I would need a shitload of beer, like more beer than I would need at a normal race. Not because of the cross, but because of the music that they play there. You, I've, I'm sorry, I've, Dan, I've heard I've heard Belgian pop music before. You and... don't know. You don't understand. When you're at a, I went to Cockcider. Oh my god, it was brilliant. But basically, when you're in Cyclocross, you can stand watching the race, so you can watch when the riders come past you, and you can watch it on the big screen because the courses are very well designed, and all at the same time while being within arm's reach of the beer tent. Beer oh, right. So, so I could just turn up and hand the guy like. I don't know, three, four hundred euros and say that should cover me for the first hour. And, well, you buy, um, you buy, you buy um, tickets, you buy tickets so they don't have to take change. Oh, even better, even better. So you just stand there handing your tickets over yeah, and they just have, yeah. you would love to. Without, without would even do? looking, I could just hold a ticket out and then, and, and uh, hand ready to receive my beer and that would be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because and, the point being though that I do need lots of beer to drown out the Belgian pop music. And, and afterwards, afterwards, we'll take you to a race and you can ride your first cross race. No, maybe we that, should take... No, to- are you kidding? Look, you know, I don't even have to say why. You know why I will never ride a cross race. Why? The running. Run. Anyway. If I wanted anyway, to run, I'd, I'd take up triathlon I'm or something else equally pointless. I'm too sick so. to bicker. So let's get on with actual cycling news. <laughs> Okay, well, you know, I think that's actually probably a new record for us where we got into a complete diversion before we'd even got into anything. So, yeah, that's good. I, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yay. 
Yeah, yeah, I was, I we should be say, proud. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I, well, what's the first bit of news that you wanted to start with then? Okay. Oh God, shall we? Where, well, we've got a choice, Dan. We've got the interesting stuff. We've got the stuff about rule changes and what it means. We've got some interest. We've got some really awful news that I don't well, want to start which, with. Which is the we've which is the one that's things. least likely to make you choke with rage slash uh, chest infection. I think maybe should we should we start with that one? Yeah. Just so that see yeah. if I survive. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I'd like the podcast <laughs> to last roughly twenty minutes at least. So. <laughs> okay. Shall we? Shall we talk? Shall we talk about the the fallout from the Giro della Toscana? That's the one that's least likely to cause you choking no, no. to death I, on I, I, rage. I'm, I'm, and... going, I'm, I'm going on kill or cure. If I make it through talking about the Giro Toscana fallout, then I can survive anything. By all means, tell me all about how Mr. Fanini is being a complete and utter dick. So, lady, dear, dear listener, I don't know if you remember, but back in September, in the middle of September, probably about a month ago, the Peloton was racing the Giro della Toscana, which is a race that was set up by Brunello Fanini in honour of his daughter, Michaela Fanini, who died aged just 21. Um, Michaela was a young cyclist who had been Italian national champion and won the Giro Don, very good, very good cyclist, but, but yeah. she died in a car accident when she was driving to a train. And... Um, Brunello, this is in about 1996, and uh, Brunello Fanini set up the Michaela Fanini Rocks team and the um, Giro, de, de, Giro Toscana Memorial Michaela Fanini race. Yeah. Now, this race has been a history of chaos, la la la. Sorry if you've heard this already. Um, but I mean, year. no, no, I think, I, like, I, I actually, sorry, but I, I know I tend to interrupt and, and that's something quite often annoying but I, I don't think that's something that we should gloss over because the race does have a history of chaos which is a euphemism for danger riders might fucking die yeah. and and I mean, that's actually a really important part of the story you know particularly in in light of and i don't want to um you know be glib about or or make light in any way of the fact that that Brunello Fanini tragically lost his daughter, who was a very promising cyclist. But to me, that that's part of what really, really sticks in the craw about this whole situation, is that of all people, this is someone I would expect to really fucking understand, you know, yeah. how important it is to keep riders safe. Yes. I mean, last year, in 2012, the final stage was um, neutralised by the riders in protest. They got off their bikes in the middle of the stage and basically Georgia Bronzini as the, current, as the then world champion and patron of the peloton, um, an Italian, you know, Italian rider, went and yelled and yelled and yelled at the organisers because they traffic on the course, signs get riders getting misdirected, race being restarted. Um, and then they went, when they agreed to carry on riding, rode on peloton, didn't even contest the sprint. Georgia crossed the crossed the line first, got off and yelled at the organisers a bit more. Because, you know, I mean, and, and this is something that I actually really like about the women's peloton. They are often given a really shit time. You know, we, we joke about the terrible mm. food and, you know, the, the yeah, two and, 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 and they're being put up in fucking tents and camping sites yeah. and stuff like you know, that, you know. Things that would actually make the men lose their shit and go home and cry and the women deal with this day in and day out you know to to drive the women's peloton to the point where they're protesting in any form it's got to be pretty fucking dire 
but also it's very interesting because this wasn't the, there were three races with really severe with severe traffic problems in this year I mean what happened with this year's Giro Toscana is the first stage was an evening time trial where people where pedestrians were wandering around the road and parked cars on the course the second the, 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 then, the, then the first two road stages they, they, they because they only had a very few number of um, motos um, motor outriders they said basically if you were more than two minutes behind you were at, you you were on on your on your own and you had riders like Annemiek van Vleuten being riding by herself through traffic because once she'd been dropped from the front group in the second road stage they um they 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 basically the riders no one attacked because as um, Marv Barris from Orica AIS put it riders were so scared about not knowing what would happen if they went round the corner mm. that they wanted to ride in a great big bunch because you know and at the end of that stage they had a situation where a camera woman got in the end of the f- way of the final sprint and got run over by Chloe Hosking yeah yeah which you know again is, is, is a euphemism for basically taking Chloe out of contention you know well, like Chloe Chloe's Chloe is I mean she jokes about she jokes about how her dad taught her to to ride in um uh, you know, to talk, taught her to to ride when she, when she was a little kid, but because she was a tr- started off as a track sprinter, and her dad would basically like try and push her off a bike and stuff, but she had to avoid him. You know, Chloe's got fucking mad skills. Yeah. It's not, that's not well, and, and she's a tough chick. You know, it's not a like that's exactly the point. You know, it's not like she's someone who um, wouldn't have avoided this collision if she were able to. You know. Yes, exactly. I mean, out of all the riders, it's like you know, it's it's a bit like it, 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 she's you know, no one, no one, of course, is up there with Mariana Voss, but she's you know, she's that next tier down of riders who you expect to be able to work miracles. Mm. Anyway, so blah blah blah, terrible race, traffic in the race, dangerous, horrible, bad conditions, and on the final stage, the riders protested, and 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 majority of the peloton refused to ride the final stage. And, yeah. and and I should point out at this at this point too that it was a significant majority. I mean, we're not talking a, a fifty-one forty-nine split. It was it was a major um, you know element of the peloton. Pretty much everyone without immediate ties either to the Italian Federation or to Brunello Fanini himself. Um, yeah. You know, basically refused to to ride the final stage in protest, and this. Caveat now, this part is an assumption on on my part, but I believe in no small part because clearly the the protest on the last stage of last year had fallen on largely deaf ears. Yes, yes, and and the protest was led by Elisa Longo Borghini, who rides for High Tech, who's you know what the up and coming star in Italian cycling, mm-hmm. and Elisa was leading the protest as the representation representative in the peloton of the Italian Professional Cycling um, Association. Yeah, the, the Riders Association. Association for, yeah, yeah, the Italian Riders Association, because she sits on their board. Um, it was also led by... Um, Giorgio uh, Bronzini. Giorgio Bronzini. Um, yep. Wiggle, the rider, two time, no, three times world champion, if you include her track world world champs. Win. Absolutely, Very and who has been on incredible form this year. You know, like she's won... Yeah so many ridiculous things like including several races that I would never have thought she would even be in contention for so yeah yeah and the third rider who is the third Italian rider who is involved in the protests for a lot was Noemi Cantele who she sits on UCI boards um on, on UCI um 
Ethics Commission, commission and although mm. she's not had such a good year this race this year, she's a very well respected rider. She's yeah. you know, she was third in the world championships in two thousand and nine when she and Gadert so basically destroyed Voss by tag team attacking her all the way over mm. the hills. Mm. And she came um and she got a silver in the ITT yeah. that year too. Yeah. And the other person then, who was involved in the protest was Voss. Well, I was going to say, exactly, like Voss and also then, you know, by extension, the Rabo team and um, Emma Johansson, who was second on GC and the Orica yeah. team. You know, we're, we're, we're not talking um, lightweights in the sport or nobodies in the sport, but also people who, not just in the sport, but in the race, had a yeah. hell of a lot to sacrifice in order to make themselves be heard. You know, when, well, when you're talking eight, top four on GC, eight of the top ten riders are saying, we're not going to ride the last stage, we're giving up our top ten position, because that's how important it is for us to be heard yeah. on this issue of safety. You know, yes. that's the kind of shit yeah. someone doesn't do lightly, you know? Yes, and, and, and someone like, I mean, and uh, Claudia Hauschler, who eventually, in inverted commas, won the race, she said, she said herself that she didn't win, she came fifth. And her team, her, Linda Jackson, who owns Tipco, the team that Claudia rides for, said, we didn't win that race. And she has asked the UCI not to count the points from the final day. She doesn't think it's fair. She thinks Voss mm. won the race. And Claudia said this from the start. She felt terrible about racing, but, you know, that was her team's decision. You know. Yeah. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. Sorry to anyone who's heard that a hundred times. I'm very sorry if, 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 you, if you know this inside out. To but, be honest, um, we're not sorry at all. Fuck it. it it's no, outrageous. No, no, no. En- no it's joking. outrageous it's enough. It's worth hearing twice. Get your it's anger on. Worse. No, because it's good background. It's good background. Now that you're properly riled up, let's get into <laughs> the latest outrage. Let's, okay. let's get into so where it's gone. At the time, one of the things that the organisers threw at the riders was that if they didn't ride, this race would be cancelled. And there were various things that were thrown at them. And, you know, from, for Elisa, who's, you know, just 23, to kind of be, be, be leading this protest was very impressive, you know, really, really hugely impressive. And, you know, great, great, amazing woman. Um, Elisa, it was... But they were told that the race would never happen again. They were besmirching the memory of Michaela Fanini, etc., etc. And at the time, afterwards, immediately afterwards, Brunello Fanini said, "And I'm going to take you to court." And he especially blamed uh, Longo Borghini, Cantele, and Bronzini for persuading Voss not to ride because they didn't want to ride in the rain. Um, and you know, the Florence stage is quite difficult because there's tourists and it's cobbly and stuff. But you know. Let's just pause for a moment and remember all those races earlier on in the year. Where I was going to say, like the spring, the spring races where people were literally covered in ice, where riders had fucking frozen eyeballs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, no, I, I don't think I don't think it was the rain that was causing people to be reluctant to ride. No, I mean when they rode Trofeo Alfredo Binder in 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 you know World Cup back in yeah. the inverted commas spring and when they rode you know the drenthe race you know the third drenthe race was actually cancelled because it was so incredibly awful weather you know they've raced in snow they've raced in sleet they've raced mm. actually literally sub-zero temperatures yeah yeah you know, a bit of italian rain in september is nothing it, it was actually like, it was actually a really shit time for us because you know you may have noticed dear listener that sarah and i may on occasion be prone to hyperbole <laughs> and, and spring was basically impossible to hyperbolize yeah. I, I, <laughs> it was just it was insane 
<laughs> we couldn't also, we couldn't exaggerate enough. That was the problem. Yeah. Yeah. But also Voss. I mean, what do we know about Mariana Voss? Loves to win. And racing. Loves to win. Loves to race. Loves to compete. But especially loves to win. But she loves racing. And and I can't even imagine a scenario where Voss would turn down a race. Like I honestly, Dan, if you met her out on a ride to the shops and you said to her, Hey Mariana how about we race to that lamppost? But tell you what, because you're so much better than me, you can only start when I'm halfway there. She'd go, yes, okay. Yeah, and she'd still beat me by, like, a lot. Yes, yes, you would die, but, you know... No, no, I wouldn't, because I actually wouldn't compete. I'd soft-pedal the whole way. It would be the only way I could feel good about myself. Oh, you'd be that annoying little brother thing. Oh, my God, you'd be that really annoying little brother who refused to race you because he knows he's going to lose. And yeah, so, well, but, well... See, but, but to be fair to me, like, in the real world, I would never be so foolish as to challenge Mariana to a race. Okay. I mean, the only race I can conceive of myself challenging Mariana to would be a beer-sculling race. See, I knew you were going to say that. You're so, 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 so. How, how is that? You can't judge me. You can't judge me for playing to my strengths. I'm sorry, but you can't. That's like that's just logical. Even Spock would agree with me. Play to your strengths. Anyway, and to I be fair, think... I'm not even sure I'd beat her at that. I, I just, you know, I'd feel like I had a fair go. <laughs> I'm pretty sure she could down a pint quickly if she really wanted to so we're getting distracted from the rage daniel tell the dear listener <laughs> well i'm trying to what? keep you alive sarah because bruno Fanini's turned around and decided that he's going via the italian federation asking them to investigate uh longo borghini cantale and uh bronzini um to determine whether or not they are responsible for you know ending the world basically and bringing yes, on the zombie and- apocalypse and calling he in life-destroying asteroids and whatever. He wants to take them to court for defamation, and apparently there is a rule that says in, in Italian racing that you're not allowed to withdraw from races in protest. Um, which, actually, Sarah pointed that out to me before the podcast, and I believe my exact response was, fuck the Italian Federation. Um, no, I mean, I, I, I don't, I mean, I can't, I can't believe that would actually fly in the face of European law. You know, honestly, we do but honestly, even if that was a rule, you can't, like, I mean, it, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It must, workplace law has to supersede that because it's so obviously, you know, the first responsibility of an employer in any civilized country is to provide a safe workplace. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, think, like, it's, you? it's pretty fucking straightforward. You know, so, yeah, oncoming so, so, trucks do not a safe workplace make. <laughs> so, so Brunella Fanini has asked the Italian Fed to support to, to investigate. Now, what I love is the Italian Riders Commission has got, I mean, you know, quite apart from the fact that, that you know, Lo, I mean, Longo Borghini was obviously representing them, has said, no fucking way is this flying. And they're putting in a counter, a counter report to the, um, to, to the Italian Fed to say, Look, this is this is ridiculous. This is truly, truly, truly ridiculous. Um, you can't, you know, you just can't. And and you know, it's 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 so frustrating because I mean, I I think this puts the federation in a really difficult situation. Because apparently, some of the members of the jury for Toscana were are on the committees of the various committees of the Italian Fed. But on the other hand, you know, if they're going up against, on the one hand, a race organizer. And on the other hand, their national team, 
you know, mm. if you have a team that has Elisa, Georgia, and Noemi in it, just, just, I mean, I can't even. I, I assume that what will happen is the Italian Fed will find some political way of saying, yes, they were both wrong. Find them fifty euros each, and you know, and hope it goes away without anyone well, noticing. I sincerely hope that doesn't happen because I will be fucking outraged. I'm sorry, I know, I know, you know, because of the aforementioned propensity towards hyperbole, that it's easy to discount what I'm saying, but I would be furious with a decision like that. This is such a fucking clear-cut case of rider safety being more important than race integrity. Like, like it, it, when you have the top rider in the world, the second top rider in the world, the top Italian rider in the world. You know, you know, like like the list and pedigree of the people who made this protest far exceeds anybody who was like, oh well, you know, we think the stage is safe. Like, well, I, I'm going to trust the judgment of Voss, Johansson, uh, Marv Barris, uh, Rabobank. You know, the specialized Lululemon. You know, Nomi Cantillay, Georgia Bronzini, Elisa Longo Borghini, High Tech. I, you know, I will take their word over Brunello Fanini or the UCI or anybody else any day. And for the simple fact that they're the ones who ride the races, they know what well, a fucking safe race looks like and they know what an unsafe race looks like. Yes. And, and I mean, I think what's particularly interesting about this as well is it touches on the role of the UCI because they still haven't made a statement about Toscana and they've been asked by a load of people not to count the results from the final day. And they're in a difficult situation because their commissaires were there every day and their commissaires allowed that race to take place and said that they thought the final stage was going to be safe with an extra two more moto outriders, yeah? Mm. So they're in a situation where... And that's going to be really interesting to see what they do. Well, it because, does, again... Yeah, it does ask a really important question about the culture of the UCI. And, you know, that leads into something I, I assume we'll probably touch on a little later on about the possibility of cultural change in the UCI with the change yeah. in presidency. But... You know, just because uh, a commissaire, in theory, has the um, authority to make that decision doesn't necessarily mean that they're culturally supported in making that decision. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is a really interesting, you know, internal political question as well, except that, you know, and this is where I will forever come back to, in the case of rider safety, rider safety trumps all. Yes. It's that fucking simple. What's what's very interesting is we all said, how the hell did Giro Toscana get HC category? And in Mm. his interview on Ciclo Web and and all sorts of places, Brunello Fanini has been showing, saying, I got HC category. I was the only race to get HC category that year because of every, because the UCI knows I'm an excellent race organizer. And given the amount of shit that happened last year and the long history of shit that happened in this race, how did that happen? Exactly. I mean, you know, at what point did Brunello Fanini, you know, just deposit an extra X number of euros into someone's account? Like, like what happened to make this race suddenly go from so dangerous that the riders neutralized the last stage last year and were like, this is bullshit, it better get better, all the way to this year where they're like, actually, this is so much bullshit that we're not even going to ride the last stage. And in the meantime, the UCI are like, yeah, HC, great. Let's just do that. What's very interesting is the calendar came out for next year's racing. Mm. Um, 
a couple of weeks ago. And Joe Toscana and the Tour Languedoc Roussillon weren't on it. And regular listeners will know that the Tour Languedoc Roussillon was another chaotic stage. Well, it, it turns out apparently that, Sarah, you don't actually have to confirm that your race is on within 24 hours of it starting. Well, Languedoc Roussillon told riders and teams with less than 24 hours notice that it was cancelled mm. because they hadn't paid the police to, to look after the race and the police weren't letting it go ahead. Without well, oh, actually, and, and that reminds me, to be fair, because we have talked previously and I've declared that I have a UCI-level race for my birthday um, in Sydney in May. Um, I should point out I haven't paid a cent to the police to close roads or anything like that, so I'm not going to be offended if... If Rabo, Orica, Specialized Little Lemon, and and Wiggle and High Tech and whomever else choose not to come, I'll understand. But I mean, because <laughs> here I am being a reasonable race organizer. <laughs> Roussillon, they basically told everyone it was it was cancelled less than twenty four. Then told everyone it was back on. Yep. Treated the riders really shit, and Rabo Bank and Bowles just left. Look, we're not riding this race. Ridiculous. And that's another thing that's going to be interesting. Actually, is is that given that if if riders, you know, what happens to to teams like Rabo Bank and Bowles if they're not, you know, they, I think that you know they're in a very privileged position, Rabo Bank. They know that they're the top team. They're you know top team in the world. They're 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 full of talent and they're supported. And they're you know I mean their team is full of terrifyingly intelligent. All the teams are full of terrifyingly intelligent women. But you know Rabo have got like um, Kusmo Mörenholt, who's the DS, is 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 never going to go. Oh yeah, ride this unsafe race because he's a former cyclist. <laughs> um, so they've got so you know so so anyway so Languedoc Roussillon and Toscana aren't on the calendar. But both of them have put in a um, have put in their registration to be racers next year. And what I want to know, what I really, really want to know, is what do the UCI do when you've got a race like these two races were such utter debacles? I mean, we have debacles in women's racing all the time, and mm. you know, I've been comparing what happened in Toscana to what happened in, in Energy Watch Tour, because in, in Energy Watch Tour, one of my favourite races. They had traffic on the road and um, canal bridges were raised that shouldn't and people got misdirected and the riders basically got off their bikes and had a huge go at the, at the organisers. And the organisers responded by, as soon as the race was over, putting out a statement in two languages saying, we're really, really sorry. It was unacceptable. We behave, you know, it was really shit. We promise this won't happen again. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, 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 that, and I mean, and, that's the thing. They admitted the problem um, and addressed the problem and committed to ensuring that it didn't affect the race again in the future. And look, you know, I, I, I like to think, and others may beg to differ, but I like to think that I'm not an entirely unreasonable man. Um, significantly less unreasonable when plied with appropriate amounts of scotch, I might add. Uh, but... You know, the thing is, it is a significant difference in attitude. You know, one is where there's a, a genuine commitment to the integrity of the race via ensuring that um, safety of riders is, is guaranteed and, and appropriate um, levels of organisation and stuff are in place. And the other is just arrogance. I, I well, honestly I can't think of another word for it. Like, just. Well, I think I'd, I'd like to think that even Energy Walker Tour, who handled it really well, when they put in their request for a new license, got asked by the UCI, hey, look, 
this catalogue of errors happened in stage one. Look, what are you going to do in the future to deal with it? I honestly, you know? I honestly would have agreed with you wholeheartedly and shared that hope until, as we mentioned on last week's podcast, I read the interview with Brian Cookson where I found out that there is one third of one person's job in the UCI devoted to the promotion of women's cycling across all disciplines. Yeah, but I yeah, I mean yes. So I so I, I I have to admit that I have severe doubts about the the commitment of the UCI to, you know, what I would assume. You know, I previously would have assumed, like you know, if he'd come to me and said, Dan, how about you take on the responsibility of being the world's governing body of of a sport for you know. A, a week or a month just for shits and giggles you know we'll see how it goes we'll we'll put it on youtube people will think it's hilarious because you swear a lot and you're drunk um even even at my most drunk i would have expected that it would be part of my responsibility to on reviewing an application look at the history of the race identify problems slash areas for improvement and mention them i i could be overly optimistic i admit but that's what I would have thought would be normal. Yes. Luckily, luckily for us, there has been a, um, a, 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 a... There is some hint. There are hints that the UCI is changing. No, I don't no, believe there are, you. There are. And firstly, Brian Cookson saying that, and you know that he was saying that one third of one person's job is, is clearly not good enough. But what I was really impressed by was pretty much the day after Worlds, there was an announcement the weekend after the, the week after Worlds. There was an announcement that the UCI has ditched the median age rule for women's cycling. Do I mean median? It's not average, no, no, is it? Well, but it's also not median because a median is um, you know standardised to exclude the outliers. So oh. Uh, oh, okay. no, I, okay, I think so it's just an age the, limit rule. Is really yeah, so all there it was is. there was because women's cycling, and we've mentioned this before. <laughs> Because women's, uh, because women's teams are governed under the same rules by men's continental team rules, they basically cut and pasted a lot of their rules. And one of the rules that was cut and pasted along with everything else was that in women's teams, you have to have more riders under the age of 28 than over the age of 28. So if you have, um, I don't know, 11 riders, six of them have to be under 28 at, 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 at least which is is pretty fucking brutal when you think about two really key things. One, we know physiologically that women tend to peak athletically a little bit later than men. Um, and two, that women, by nature of the, the current culture of cycling, tend not to enter the sport as young as men do. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was a weird rule. I mean, it does sort of make sense. Um, okay, it doesn't make sense in the context of North America and australia okay but it doesn't make but it does make sense in the context of european cycling and the reason it makes sense is that you've got three layers of men's teams you know world tour pro continental and conti and conti is supposed to be a development level so you know there's an incentive so they have the rule in there as an incentive to keep hiring in young fresh talent and the idea is that i guess well, as big yeah, that, I mean, that makes sense for a Conti team, but how does that possibly get translated to women's cycling where, as we've noted almost weekly, there is no division? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and it's very, very difficult because, you know, I think about, um, so riders who are 30, off the top of my head, this year, Emma Johansson, Georgia Bronzini and um, Evelyn Stevens are 30, yeah? Now, I know that, you know, a team is going to do that, is going to do everything they can to keep those riders in the team. No one's going to be ditching those three riders because they're over 28. But Mm. what it does mean is that for every one of those you have, you have to have an under 28-year-old. And for every domestique you have so this year for example specialized took on carmen small um carmen is a rider who's been based in the usa for the last couple of years um she's 30 um or in her 30s i can't remember which i'm terribly sorry carmen but you know she's definitely in the three three, and, and, and also fucking awesome um, but Carmen is an exact is an example of a of a rider who did really well on the USA domestic circuit, but coming over to a top team like Specialized Lululemon has just had a phenomenal year. Yep. Which she crowned with a bronze medal in the in the in the World ITT Championships. Yeah. But in order to take on Carmen, they have to make sure they've got enough young riders. And it also means that you've got like riders who are very experienced. You've got this ridiculous situation where you've got a rider in the team who's 26, that's fine, 27, that's fine, turns 28. Well, what do you do? Because if you've only got room for 10 riders on your team, for mm. example, what, you know, and what, what do you do? And yeah, and, it, and <laughs> oh, wow, yeah, because, I mean, it presents this, this horrible situation where you either ditch that rider for being, you know, over the 28 limit or you ditch another rider who's over 28 in order to balance it out because yeah. you can't afford to hire in a new rider. And like, and, and it's just forcing something for no, no discernible slash valid slash reasonable purpose. It's And so it was, it was really, I mean, what I like to imagine is, and Brian Cookson in his post-election win interview said that he went back after Worlds on the train with Tracy Gordry and they sat on the train and they discussed things to change. And I like to think that Brian sat on the train with Tracy Gordry or had been given a list by Matthew Knight, who is the person who one third of his job is women's cycling. Mm. And they gave him a list of things that people want to change in the, for women's cycling. And one of these things was this, this, this average age rule and that they just looked at it and went fuck it change it and i love that i think it's it's I mean, you know you well, know like, you know i've been really cynical about cookson yeah yeah about and i'm i'm always cynical about people who don't put out plans for change i'm i was a civil servant i worked for charities for many years i have yeah. been involved in dealing with large amounts of money and project plans and i'm a really really big believer yeah. in objectives you know objectives well, I, mean, I, I think that's it we've all got experience with how easy it is for someone to say yeah we're going to change things you know like that's a ridiculously easy thing to say actually you know detailing how you're going to change things and when is is a whole other level and and i think you know that was a big part of my hesitation too i mean that and the you know i'll be as charitable as i can but the clearly questionable history of british cycling under cookson with women's cycling and his involvement at the higher levels of the UCI through these years of, you know, diabolical treatment of women's cycling, you know, really, I was at best unconvinced. Yeah, Um, I mean, I think think one of my problems is this, that Cookson's day job was he'd been working for one of the local, one of the low British local authorities as in charge of regeneration departments. Now, my job was urban regeneration for many years so it's kind of like i think i have a specific 
annoyance that you know that I. Ah, uh, right. So you have a long-standing personal grievance that needs to be no, taken no, out no, in no, a no. in a duel. I think Sword Panda can um, can assist us in this. I think first of all, you have to go to a UCI event and slap Bryant Cookson with a glove. Uh, if I'm understanding protocol correctly. And next, Sword Panda needs to give you both um, foils or sabers with which to duel, which will be awesome. I would pay serious cash money. I would pay serious cash money to watch you duel Brian Cookson with a sword, Sarah. That's. I don't. I've never met him. I worked in a different part of the country. It's just that I know what sort of things he'd have to do as a head of regeneration to, you know what I mean, to to kind of plans and stuff like that because you know i used to work in that area myself all i'm saying is you heard it here first folks sarah is challenging brian cooks into a sword fight and a duel and hopefully it'll be televised i am looking forward to it you're so mean to me when i'm sick it's so unfair i mean i think anyway i i think your rage would overwhelm his stiff upper lippishness back to cycling i think it's really it's it's I mean, there, and, and a couple of people have said, actually, this, this changing the rule is really bad because it means there'll be fewer opportunities for young riders. And that upsets me because I don't want to live in a place, in a situation where we're talking about who should get the fewer opportunities. Should it be younger riders getting fewer opportunities or older riders getting fewer opportunities? And, you know, I've said this many times, but my ideal scenario for women's racing is that you have at least two tiers of teams mm. An upper team tier, which is the professionals who have no age rule. Yeah, yeah. They well, have I mean, minimum wage. You know, we've said this they a million have... times. The world tour versus a pro conti level, yes. basically. And, 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 yeah. and I would and I'd be happy I'd be really happy for the average age twenty eight mm. rule to and be to, to be to fair. be for a development team. Yeah, yeah. And and to I mean, be I fair, I, I I do understand and and to a certain extent. Um, even possibly agree with the the idea that yes, that may potentially in the short term disadvantage young riders if there isn't you know um, positive steps taken towards establishing exactly what Sarah's talking about you know like a a development level and and I think also related to that is that as part of and and again this is something that that we've always talked about in relation to establishing a, a pro conti and and world tour sort of level is establishing minimum uh, uh, conditions you know including wages and equipment supply and those sorts of things in order for a team to qualify as either of those levels yeah 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 i mean yes so i mean and i'm not saying so this i'm absolutely not saying this has changed the world but i am very very happy because it was a really ridiculous rule that made no sense and wasn't like there Mm. for even riders and teams have been asked calling for this to be changed for years and years and years well and Um, it's also it is one of those things too that i mean for want of a better term you could call it kind of like a signpost change where like it's one of those things that you can actually do pretty quickly um, that just signals, hey, I wasn't fucking around when I said I meant that I wanted to change things. I actually meant it. And so here's here's the thing that I can do quickly, you know, the quick win that proves I'm serious about it. You know, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, despite my best efforts, I am, I am slightly slash cautiously optimistic that this may actually turn out to be real and be a good thing and, and maybe, maybe we'll start to see things improve. But, you know, let's not get carried away, Dan. Holy shit. Um, speaking of the UCI and Worlds, 
one of the things I was interested in this week was the interview with Aurelio Bulbarelli, who's the deputy director of Rice Sports. Holy Italian. shit, wasn't that amazing? I mean, now, if you watch the World Championships on TV, or tried to, you might have noticed that as opposed to, say, for example, when it was in Copenhagen, they didn't show the women's team time. Well, there wasn't a women's team time trial in Copenhagen, but anyway. But um, they didn't show the women's TTT, but it had been on the rice schedule. And they mm. ended up showing some appalling, sorry if you wrote it, master's race. <laughs> that I it was a, a race or a sportif. And they honestly, honestly, that's a classic sorry, not sorry, because I don't give a shit how good you are at masters. I would still have preferred to see the elite women's TTT. You know, I, yeah. I love you, I respect you as a Masters athlete, I'll happily acknowledge that you're a better rider than me, I'll buy you a beer, but I would still have preferred to see the women's TTT. Yes, and the juniors race, and, and so what And what has been very interesting is that, um, I don't know about other people's broadcasters, but all the way through this, through World's Week, um, broad, B, BBC journalists and journalists from Rye, and I think journalists from Belgian TV too, were having conversations with people on Twitter when people rightfully said, hang on a minute, why aren't you showing this? Why is the coverage so crap? They say, it's not us. It's in front the, um, the, the, the the people who've got the broadcasting, the rights. Yeah, the, contract, the contracted providers, the people who had bid to the UCI for the rights and won the bid and apparently felt that part of the winning bid of the World Championship Cycling meant that they didn't actually have to show the cycling. Yes. And Barbarelli's, um, but so there was a great interview with um, Julia Del Mayo, who's a fantastic journalist. You really should be following her on Twitter. She's great. Um, she pops up all over the place, actually, because she does some work for the Girodana. She does things on Tutu, Tutu, writes for Tutu Beachy. She's got a great Twitter. You know, she's just fan, she's an amazing journalist, really good fun as well. Anyway, um, Julia interviewed her, sorry, interviewed Aurelio, and he had this really no-holds-barred interview where he was having a rant, basically, about how much he hated the in-front cycling coverage. Mm. And he said that from a Rye perspective, both the, and this interested me too, both the women's race on Saturday and the men's race on Sunday were the highest-watched things on all Rye TV. Because, so, you know, Rye have a huge number of, of channels. Yep. It's just the sports. They, I guess it's a bit like BBC or something like that. Yeah, um, yeah. like a, a major a major national broadcaster. Yeah. Yeah. Um so so right so, so, so and that was interesting to me too because he was he spe- he you know he didn't say how they compared to each other but he was making it very clear that both the women's race and the men's race mm. were the highest watched things on right. Yeah, yeah. So you know I mean fantastic. Um but he was also talking about how incensed he was about the coverage. And he said, especially, I mean, we knew that they'd planned to show the TTT because they had it, they had it all ready for it. They were sitting there. They had, um, they bought in a, they bought in a, a female commentator, a, yeah. a, a former cyclist to talk about it. You know, they were ready, but they couldn't show it. But he also said that they were only told 10 days before the race that the, that they wouldn't get footage of the juniors races Junior races yeah yeah now this is this is really important because rye um you can watch on italian tv um the junior the junior men's men's and women's junior road championships mm. you know you can watch all sorts of things if they yeah. show they show things like the trofeo binder they show an hour a day of the giro rossa the giro don the women's giro they're they're, they're not it's not like they're perfect 
but they are. No, but but they do they make seriously. a genuine effort, and they are genuinely committed to the development and growth of the sport overall. I mean, yes. they are basically the ideal broadcast partner. Yes. Now, especially when you you know we're talking about the Italian channel. When we've got a huge ton of junior Italian talent, mm, and, mm. you know. Well, uh, and also, you know, you, you can't gloss over the fact that the the worlds are in Italy this time round. Exactly. So, of, of course, the locals are going to be fucking interested in the race. Like, yeah. So, so that was that was a really interesting thing. Now, um, a load of people I know, including me, emailed in front to complain about the coverage, and they said, "No, no, it wasn't us. It was the host broadcaster. It was it was your own broadcaster's decisions." And it, we knew that they were lying, yeah. but this just confirms it. And if anyone out there listening has any connection to the UCI at all, please, 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 can you ask them to to to, to basically shape up with this with the with the give them a, give in front a massive slap because they. You can't well, give I mean, someone a contract to cover all the races and then not have all the races covered. Honestly, my, my, my first question would actually be, uh, you know, to me, that's surely a breach of contract. I mean, well, holy fuck, and, unless, unless the UCI has been so negligent as to not require, and, and we're not even talking live coverage, we're talking actually fucking having cameras there. You know, it's yeah, not. Like, yeah. It's not like they recorded it and could have shown it later. They didn't even have cameras there. You know, yeah, and, yeah. and to yeah. me, that's got to be a clear cut. I mean, breach of contract. It, it just. It must be. It must be. And if not, yeah. then I want to list the names of people at the UCI who no longer work at the UCI because well, I, you can't I possibly negotiate that contract. And keep a job, <laughs> like you just I, can't. I, I'm gonna say I've I've dealt with I've dealt with contracts for people getting big sums of government money. You know what I mean? Mm. I've dealt with contracts like that, and and I've I, I you know and and I'm, I'm, I'm going to die. Oh, she's gonna choke to death. Okay, just talk about yourself for a little while, Dad. <laughs> so for lunch yesterday, I had <laughs> a beer. No, I lie. It was two beers. <laughs> um, so anyway, so that's an inter- interesting interview, and I. Sh- yeah. I mean, there is something in the background of of why Dan and I are a little less happy than normal this week, and um, yeah, one of the things that happened this week that, that that's happened in the last week since we last podcasted was hearing about the death of cyclocross rider Amy Dombrowski. Um, yeah, I. It's, and I think that's to be honest, I think that's colouring. A lot of my approach—it's colouring a lot of my approach to cycling because you know you hear about a race like Toscana, where they're deliberately putting riders in danger, mm. and then you hear about things like the UCI—you know—the the, the juniors' races not even being shown. You know, yeah. so riders yeah. are doing all of this stuff and taking these risks for no—you know—and and then you hear about well, this is what happens. You know, yeah. every year we hear about a hideous accident, and you mm. know, mm. my my absolute yeah. thought. My my all my thoughts with Amy's family and friends. Yeah. Um, just twenty six. She was one of the. I think she was the only American woman who lived in Europe full time for the cyclocross season. Everyone and, talks and about her as a sunny. Wildly popular. I mean, you know, everyone who knew her just spoke so highly of her, and she was generous. Um, with her time and with her, you know, she she would happily put people up or lend people her car and help other cyclists out and, 
and stuff like that. You know, just a wonderful, wonderful person on and off the bike. Yeah, and, and, and you know, it, it, it's one of the most tragic things possible. You know, a, a training accident and a collision with a motor vehicle. Um, and I think you're right. I mean, I don't want to take anything away from the outrage that we've expressed because I don't want it to be minimised um, as a result of us, you know, being distressed over over, you know, Amy's death, but because um, I don't think it should be. I think those are important enough issues in their own right that they really do matter. But absolutely, this adds a hell of a lot of weight to it and and immediacy and urgency. You know, this is why it's important. You know, I, I just... It breaks my heart every time to hear about somebody even getting injured um, on the roads, let alone, let alone this. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, I mean... It's hard because, you know, it's hard to find the words, but uh, like you say, Sarah, just absolute love and sympathy and and condolences to to everyone who was close to Amy. Um, I mean, it's seeing, I mean, the cyclocross community is a very small community, Mm. you know, it's it's very small, everyone knows everyone, everyone, you know, they, they just, it's, it's not. I mean, if this happened in the road peloton, it would be, you know, it'd be tragic too. But, you know, in the, in the cyclocross, they're a family. Mm, mm. I mean, it's been, it's, it's, it's been, this is the thing is like, this is, this is kind of my bottom line thing on why these things, you know, why does a shitty UCI rule apply, you know, bother me? Why does, why does the TV, you know, why does bad TV coverage bother me? And basically it kind of comes down to the fact that, you know, it's a fucking dangerous sport. Yeah, and and that's it. Like it carries enough risk in and of itself. It doesn't need things making it riskier. Yeah, or or, mm. or you know, or people just you know, it, when people give up so much time for it, it should be taken seriously and respected. And yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, if there's a there's a, a memorial Facebook page set up by Amy Dombrowski's family, and there's a memorial fund to you know to support the family and causes yeah. that she. In, interested in and it's been interesting because they was this weekend was the um they call it the holy week of east coast american cyclocross um you know it's uh they have a number of really big rate of really big races and it ends with the providence um providence cyclocross festival a two day you know two days of cyclocross and they started the race with a um with a silent lap in memory of amy which must yeah. have been really hard especially for the usa scene it's it's such mm, a mm. Yeah, I mean, it was hard. It's hard. It's hard to know where to go from that, to be honest. But I mean, what I think was interesting is you see the racing where you go from, you know, where riders go from remembering their friends, you know, or even if they didn't know her, someone who they saw around races, or or know, just or just adults. felt the influence of, you know, someone who might have been an inspiration or or you know a uh, a uh, a goal like an example of of someone that you aspire to be like um yeah yeah, yeah. And, and then they and then they kind of went on to the races and the racing and um yeah and yeah i mean it, there's there's um, american cyclocross scene is is very different culturally to european and you know it's not that one is better or worse it's they're just different and hmm. there's some um there's some really good homemade media coverage of of providence as there is from loads of the usa races from the behind the barriers team yeah yep. they um they basically make they basically go to races and provide their own race coverage 
Cool. With lots of interviews of riders beforehand and stuff. So I, I, you know, just check out check out the um, behind the barriers for Providence. Yeah, and if you're in a position to do so, you know, I do encourage you to to check out the memorial page for Amy and um, and if possible, donate to to some of the causes that really meant a lot to her. Yes. Mm. Um, you're right. It's like really hard to segue out of that. It's almost, you know, it feels like anything that we say or do would be a bit glib and flip, but we need to find a way. So I'm just going to boldly go for it. Um, how about you, you tell me about some of the more interesting slash exciting slash unusual slash weird, uh, transfer news that you've picked up in the last week. <laughs> um, well, the big transfer news has been Ellen Van Dyke going from um, Bowls, going from Specialised Lululemon, where she's been for a number of years, to Bowls Dolmens. Mm, mm. Yeah, now, no, that, that one really, I mean, obviously it stood out to me because of Ellen, but that to me is like really, really interesting because um, it's not just Ellen who's going to Bowls, you know, they're, they're pulling together quite a few people. Yeah, I mean, bowls bowls have been built around Martina Brass, who was a who's a very very good classics rider, classics GC rider. And Martina um, had a horrible accident last year, had crashed again this year, and she's retired. And they're replacing Martine, Martina with um, Ellen Van Dyke for the classics and for the time trialing. Megan Garnier, Garnier. Uh, Megan Garnier from um, Rabobank, who will be their hilly rider and GC contender, and then they've also taken on a couple of very young, a um, couple of ju- Dutch juniors, um, Demi de Jong and Nikki Zeilard. Um, Nikki Zeilard, if you don't know, she comes from a really huge Dutch cycling. Um, uh, um, what's the word for where everyone in your family goes but has a massive pedigree? Dynasty. Dynasty, that's it. Um, her grandfather was Zoops, Zoops, Zoop, Zoops. Sarah's sick, forgive her. Zoop <laughs> Zylard, who was a Derny, famous Derny track racer and then was a famous Derny bike rider. And her uncle is Michael Zylard, who is was a cycling coach and used to be DS to the RR Drink Leontine team. Mm-hmm. But even more interestingly, was the coach and husband to Leontine van Morsel, this incredibly, like, mythical um, Dutch she was the, rider. She was the pre-Mariana Mariana. Well, no, the pre-Mariana Mariana is Hanka Kupfenagel. Oh, okay. Because Hanka Kupfenagel um, rode cyclocross, and actually Hanka was responsible for allowing women to ride cyclocross in the first place. Like, like you know, they didn't have a world until right. 2000. So she was and the Hanka, pre-pre-Mariana Mariana. Yeah, so, so, so yeah, Leontine is the pre-Mariana in that she won across, you know, road and, and track and Olympic, Olympian. Hanka's the pre-Mariana in the kind of cyclocross, let's mm. fight justice type thing um yeah so nikki zylard is a young junior she's been really good she's 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 had some really good junior results um what ellen ellen said was that she really loved riding for specialized but what bowls gave her was a three-year contract because mm-hmm. they're supporting her all the way to rio now and I think there's a whole bunch of things that are interesting about this. Like, first of all, yeah, as you say, the the three year contract, um, which is a, a big deal, and definitely carrying her to Rio because, um, obviously, as we all know, the the women's um, peloton sort of has this this 
seasonal uh, can you call it a seasonal cycle when it's when it's quadrennial but like a it it has a cycle around the olympics where you know that's that's obviously like the the kind of focal point of the the whole way that the sport moves at the moment yeah yeah i mean bowls i mean it's very interesting i mean Mm. three-year contracts are pretty much i think rabo i mean rabo bank when Rabobank pulled out their funding for the men's team, for men's cycling because of the doping, yep. they committed to, originally they were going to pull their funding for the women, but you know, you're pulling your funding for Mariana Voss, really. They wanted to fund her personally and she was mm. going, uh-uh, no way, you can't fund me yeah. if you want to support fund me. Fund me, fund my this team. Is why I love, this is why I love Voss. She's so much more than just an excellent rider. She's, yeah. she's so much more than just sorry, just having a flashback to um, <laughs> film. Yeah. What film am I thinking of? Blue Steel. Yeah. Um, the, uh, what's its name? Um, yes. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. She's, she's so much more than just being a ridiculously, ridiculously, <laughs> ridiculously good rider. Yeah, yeah exactly. Oh, um, but she's, you know, the the fact that Voss said that, you know, I'm, so, you know, sorry, Rabobank, if you want to support me, you've got to support the team. Oh, Voss, so cool. But um, but to have a three year contract is pretty much a three year contract is pretty much unheard of, and I think it's very and and you know, Ellen is this. She's another Dutch star. Someone pointed out what the Rio courses look like, and the um. The, the the ITT course has got a couple of small inclines and you know some little small lumps, so perfect for Ellen. The the road race, oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. The profile is I don't know. Anyway, the profile's brilliant. Uh, we'll put a link to it because it's just it's just hilarious. So yeah, so Ellen's going to Bowles, and so yeah, so when they've got so Bowles have already got Lizzie Armstead for the sprints. Now they've got Megan Garnier Gar- Garnier for the for the for the for the climbs, and they've got a, and they're fostering young talent. And yeah, I yeah. really like that. Yeah, it's going to be and, really interesting actually seeing the progression of Bowles as a team. You know. Um, they're obviously consolidating quite nicely and um, and have a plan towards the future. It's yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, bowls bowls are one of those. They are a little bit like um, Jayco for the uh, for, for the Auss- for the Aussie team in that, like you look at you look at bowls and they've got their fingers in. They're they're sponsoring a team. They're sponsoring races. You know, mm. they sponsored the women's tour. They sponsored the Holland Hills Classic. You see the bowls signs all the way up the flesh on, You know, yeah. They yeah. um they're a rental hire company, so they're clearly one of those teams where they're not going to make. You know, there's no direct link between people liking their um, you know, supporting their team and going out and hiring <laughs> their sports. Well, you never know. I mean, it's hard to say. It is hard to yeah. say. But yeah, but, but you know, I mean, you know, hooray, hooray for them, hooray mm. for them. They're, they're a good sponsor. Um, I mentioned Megan Garnier. Garnier, I'm sorry, I can never say your surname, Megan. And she did actually explain how to say this. She was on this week's tour chats, which is the podcast by um, Dan Worry and Neil Brown. Yes, do I mean Neil Brown? Yes, yes you do. Um, I really recommend you read it. She go and watch it. She's very funny yeah. and very and, and, and she they, talks about- they do a good podcast. Those guys. I mean, it's a it's kind of a vodcast, isn't it? Because it's a video as well. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you can listen. You can just listen to it if you're you know on the bus or whatever. Um, yeah, go and listen to it um, because she talks about all sorts of things. She's very funny. Um, very clever woman. I knew that she had an MNSC in um, neuroscience. 
I didn't know that her job was to do with nuclear reactors. <laughs> what was she doing? Like putting people's brains in nuclear reactors and seeing they what happened explain. to them? They, they did explain, but you know me. I mean, sci- I'm, I'm terrible. Um, oh, I the science, Sarah, is just so important, though. Actually, that's really interesting. We should sometime, maybe this is an off-season project for us, we should sometime do a bit of a breakdown of the the non-cycling professions of the women's peloton because yeah. a lot of them do seem to be science degrees you know oh, well, I, no 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 well i will we'll get on to that later we'll do this in the off season we will do it i promise but anyway go and listen to that um oh speaking of ellen van dyke i also really really enjoyed iris slappendale's ode to ellen in um her <laughs> latest wiener review column um <laughs> prowomencycling.com um, I mean I, I, I do love science but my brain doesn't work that way and I had a little bit of difficulty this week because as well as being sick I was also doing maths which is like oh that's <laughs> tough that's tough and um, and you're right you were doing complicated maths that involved making charts which is I, you know, I like making charts because I, I think I, I think it's something to do with my brain that it kind of make things make sense to me right so you're more them. a visually triggered person you know so chart makes yeah. more sense than just the raw numbers exactly yeah. and i was looking at the cycling the uci cycling calendar for women and dun, 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 which think... keen listeners will not have picked up on when earlier you were pointing out that toscana and languedoc are not currently on the uh no, the 2014 I mean, I, i'm interested in this because Generally, we we've um, there's a, on on Podium Cafe where I start, you know, where I where I talk a lot about women's cycling. Um, there's a guy called Monty who doesn't post so much anymore, but he's always very very funny, very very knowledgeable. And Monty and I always had this joke about um, the you know what comes out, what's published about the women's cycling calendar in September is is not necessarily what is raced. In <laughs> fact, generally, it's it's kind of pretty much made up and. Um, you know, and, and this year they've they've had, you know, for example, next year they still have on the calendar, as they did this year, three races in Golan in Syria. Yes. Mm. Now, you know, I'm 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 not necessarily convinced that the civil war etc. You, you don't think you don't think that they can solve the crisis in Syria in the next few months? Okay. I I, I kind of I, I I'm not sure if I was the UCI and when Golan, the Golan race organisers came up to me, hey, we'd like to put the race on the calendar, that I'd say, yeah, 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 have it, brilliant. <laughs> well, I, I, I mean, then again, as we discussed earlier, there doesn't seem to be enough time for a whole lot of investigation and oversight from the UCI. You know, some I mean, things... put your form in and pay your... Pay your hmm. Some things are... And then you've got the, the Brazilian races, and there are three Brazilian races that are supposed to happen in November, two-day races and a stage race. Um, and they were on the count, and, and I, I, I kind of had missed this earlier in the year, but when the calendar came out, Steph Wyman and Carl Lima were joking with each other about, yeah, yeah, we'll meet in, you know, we'll go to Golan and then we'll go to the Brazilian races because they were on the calendar for last year and this year, and they've never actually happened. Yeah. So, mm. anyway, but so when I was looking at the calendar, I looked at the, so I thought, okay, I'm going to look at how many race days were there and how many races were there last year, you know, in, in, in when announced for the 2013 season. How, how, so how many races were announced for this year's season just gone in September, 2012. And I looked at it and basically 
there were 180 race days on the women's cycling calendar and only 147 were actually raced. To be honest, and to be honest though, if you'd actually if you'd set that up as a question to me, I probably would have guessed lower. I'm not saying well, that makes it right or acceptable, but it, I I just I probably would have guessed more around the 120 130 mark. Yeah, I mean, we lost we lost six stage races and nine day races, and mm. it works out very roughly as about eighteen percent of the original calendar. Which is still, I mean, that is very high as as a percentage of the whole. That yeah. is still very high. I mean, if you go to my post on Podium Cafe, I, I color coded it. So I color coded it because there weren't. It wasn't all bad news because there were. So within that, that that also included that also included things like the ladies tour of qatar which added a day mm. um, or the tour of zushan island or the philly classic which weren't on the calendar in september but did happen yeah and you know regardless of what happened in it the jury toscana was originally announced as three days and became two days so you know and then there were some of those cancellations so for example the three golan races cancelled due to war I Which, think that's a legitimate uh, yeah, I was going to say that's a legitimate reason. Honestly, like a race organizer, the the two reasons that I'll pretty much immediately accept are we can't guarantee rider safety. Okay, Toscana, I'll let you off. You can cancel your race, and uh, we have a war. And well, the other yeah. the other the other one that I let off was the Novellano Reggio Cup. The, um, which is the third race in the Drenthe race. They'd had Drenthe Acht and Runde van Drenthe. It had been terrible, terrible weather. The weather got worse. Flights were being cancelled all over the Netherlands. The riders were there. Yeah. The race was there. It was all set to go ahead. And the weather was just... You know, that was well, the I mean, that was, that was the one where it was pretty much like, even with um, infrared paint and goggles and technology and GPS and stuff, we actually can't tell where the roads are. So yes. maybe we shouldn't have so, the race. So yeah, so I will. So I will forgive that one as well. You're right. So that's how much. So that's how many races we lost last year. Now, so bear in mind, we had about 140. I've between my two charts, I'm one race out. It's killing me, but I just can't face going back to change it. So say we took 148 racing days um, left last year. Yep. Now this for 2013 for 2014 though. Even without Toscana and Languedoc Roussillon, we've got we're going from 148 racing days to 168 planned for next year, and we've got um, we've got uh, a number of new races. So some of the new races, like the women's tour in Britain, the, the women's mm. tour of Britain. Oh my God, dear British listener, um, the women's tour of Britain is the seventh to the eleventh of May. It's starting in Northamptonshire. It's my birthday weekend. I was going to say, it's basically a celebration of Sarah's birthday. So, for a start, one, you have to go to this race if you're in Britain. Uh, as an Australian, I will not accept any excuse that involves, oh, but it's so far away. Fuck you, it isn't. Um, two, it's Sarah's birthday, so take her a present or buy her a beer when you're there. Uh, three, it's Sarah's birthday, so um, you're going to the race to take her a present and or buy her a beer while you're there. Yes, I mean, I you know that's so exciting. Mm. Um, so we've got the new women's tour of Britain. We've got a couple of races, and I I like both ways. The women's tour of Britain is a brand new race. Um, it's run by Sweet Spot, who run the men's tour of Britain, and they also run the tour series of Crits. They're a very you know they're a they're a they're an organisation with pedigree. They know how to run a race. They're setting up a brand new race. Brilliant. I'm, I'll have that. Um, there's another couple of races where, which are races that have been existing. So, like the um, White Spots Delta Road Race in Canada, mm -hmm. and um, the Gent Wevelgem Women's Race, and 
um, the Winston-Salem Cycling Classic in the USA that have been races that haven't had UCI status that are stepping up to UCI status. Oh, wow, that's so, fucking cool, man. I'm excited about that. That's awesome. Yeah, the GP Plumelec Moriban, um, which is wasn't UCI, which is uh, one of the Coupe de France races. That's good. So, you know, so yeah. um, that's a really interesting thing because... You know, sometimes when you have brand new races out of nowhere, um, yes, Exergy Tour, it can, it, it could be a sign that they're not going to be around for a long time. But well, and of course, of course, we're much more suspicious of those races in an Olympic year. Um, you know, yes. because th- yeah. there is a an established pattern of that. But this, you know, looks like. Um, you know, that sort of ideal situation where racers who have been around for a while and have established themselves are confident in their ability to step up, which is fucking great. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I fully support that as, a, you know, ideally a, a, a step in the direction for the whole sport of, you know, sustainable growth. That's, that's yes. fucking brilliant. Other good news on the calendar, the Route de France is up to nine days, and even better, the Giro Donna, the Giro Rosa, the women's mm. Grand Tour, is back up to ten days. Fuck yeah! They, yeah! They only, they only rode eight days this year, and that was basically because the Giro Donna, um, the organising committee who'd run it for a number of years, had to give up last year. One of the reasons they had to give up was one of their 2012 sponsors just refused to pay. Mm. One of their 2011 sponsors just refused to pay and they basically spent 2012 running around like headless chickens trying to get the, the you know, trying to save the previous year's race and run that race and it was awful and horrible and, and hellish. So, you know, the fact that the Giro Donna is, the Giro Rosa was so successful, albeit only eight days long, was, was it was a plus. You know, yeah. I'm not, I'm, I'm keeping that as a plus because and it's partly because the Italian Cycling Federation, which you know owns the race, was really determined it was going to happen. So hurrah! Um, other good news about the calendar: one of my favourite races is the Sturzoysche Eilanden, which is a, a three-day race in the Netherlands. It's in Zeeland province, so one of those extraordinary places where parts of it have been carved out from the sea. Yep. And it's um, very, very Dutch racing where you have some cobbled sections, but really the things that make the races really hard, and I mean they're really hard, are the the winds coming off the North Sea. Mm-hmm. I think it was Marine de Vries described herself as getting sand-blasted, wind-blasted, and rain-blasted. <laughs> All at the same time. Now, um, Ster Zoysche Island had to cancel this year because they were supported by Rabobank um, and their local Rabobank pulled out their funding and said, oh, it's because Rabobank's told us we're not allowed to sponsor cycling anymore. And and that was like, and it was, oh, I really felt for them because it's run by volunteers. It's a great, 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 great race. So, yeah, I mean, there are still some races that I look on the calendar. So next year, technically, technically, we've got 168 racing days. Um, 178, if you believe that Golan and Brazil will take place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I um, decline to comment at this stage. Yes. Um, one of the things that's interesting is that I also looked at was how they overlapped because there are some, and because obviously, say, say when you say 168 racing days, and obviously not everyone can race all of those races, partly because of around the world and stuff. And partly because of overlap. So, for example, um, you know the 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 Giro Donna overlaps with the two point two level Czech race, and you know yep. the Trophée d'Or overlaps with the Vagorda 
um, World Cup. But I don't mind that because I think it's good that there are races that are for less strong teams. You know, well, I was going to say, particularly, particularly if, as we cautiously hope, we may be seeing the beginning of movement towards um, creating a second level of women's yeah, UCI yeah, yeah. team. Uh, you know, I think those races will become increasingly important then to development teams because there'll be great opportunities for those teams and, and the riders on those teams to really showcase their, their talent and abilities. Um, yeah. You know, and, and again, help the, the sport become stronger and um, and more stable across the board. So, yeah. yeah. I, I, I also love it. I and mean, what they used to have was the Giro Trentino used to be on at the same time as Rabo Stair, which was fantastic because Trentino is all about the hills. Rabo Stair is all about the flat. And the mm. same thing happened with the Tour de l'Ardèche going up against the Holland Ladies Tour. I love it that they're on at the same time because it means if you're a domestique, you know, some teams field riders in both races, in both field teams in both races other riders say you're a hilly domestique rider and your team is all about the holland ladies tour you can get into a national team or a mixed team and ride Ladesh. yep and i think it's it's just it's good it's good for the sport i am slightly frustrated when i look at the calendar because there's this little clump of overlap where the lotto Bellasol Belgium Tour is at the same time as the gp plue world cup and also there's no gap between the lotto Bellasol tour and the um, Bowles Holland Hills Classic, and it's at the same time as Lardesh. Mm. And I, I kind of, I, I'm kind of frustrated about that because, I mean, I guess, I mean, I guess it means that Lotto Belgium Tour, which had great video and was a really great race to follow, won't get as good high quality teams, caliber teams, as it would have done otherwise. And you know that's a shame. But yeah, um, in theory, touch wood. With massive caveats of what we see now, um, mm. isn't necessarily going to be race. Caveat, caveat, caveat. It does look like next year's calendar will be stronger than this year's, and that's even before we add in Golan, Brazil, Languedoc-Roussillon, Toscana, etc., etc. So um, well, you know, may it, shoots are May it come to pass? You know, uh, yeah. Well, I maybe maybe is that the point that we should gracefully exit on? Should we leave on an uh, on an up for once? Oh, I've got a couple more ups. Oh, okay. Very there's more. Oh, holy shit, there's more ups. All right, lay them on me. Uh, I was reading about track, and there was a really interesting article in The Telegraph about Velo Jam in London, which is an opportunity for women to race at the Hearn Hill Velodrome uh-huh. um, outside track. And I was also, speaking of track, reading about um, Australian cycling have started a women's Madison uh, league, uh, women's Madison events and in Melbourne, and also going to have a Women's Madison National Championships, which yeah, is really, yeah. really good. Now, that was an initiative that came from Cycling Victoria, and I, I believe, I, I may not have all the facts, but I believe that Monique Hanley, who you know, we're fans of, was, was um, a, an integral part in, in making that happen. She's been working on it for about three years, I think, so it's very cool yeah. to see that come to fruition. Yeah, and, and particularly good because... Um, Women, for some reason, I, you, you can ride Madison in some of the six days for the women, but they, there's no Madison World Champs. And I think if you get a really strong cycling nation like Australia having a Madison National Champs and proving that you know women's uteruses don't drop out if you ride Madison, then that's... Really, that it's one of those weird things, isn't it? What is it with cycling officials and uterus fear? I know. Yeah. I know. Well, I know. Mm. Well, it's like that Saudi cleric who said that women, shouldn't, women who drive... 
uh, makes them infertile. Yeah, but I and mean, it's just one of those. It's one of those right. weird things, you know. Like it's hard to understand how someone can be a fully formed person who has literally spent a significant amount of time in a uterus so misunderstand the properties of said uterus. I, I, I have to admit, Dan, when I say about people worrying about their uteri will drop out, I am joking. It it comes from the the man's cycling photographer, Graham Watson, when he was commenting about how women wouldn't be able to ride um, uh, the <laughs> Graham Watson. Bless him. He's not a physical specimen, you can imagine. <laughs> But when he was um, talking about how women just would not be able to ride Rabai because their bodies uh, won't, wouldn't be able to cope with the uh, the, the, the oh, cobbles. Oh, right, with the cobbles, right. Yes, and, and, and that was the joke that he thought their uteri might drop out, but yes. Right, um, right. Well, but still, uh, it's, think... it's fun to treat that joke as if it were a real thing, and so I shall continue <laughs> to do so. Okay. Yeah. Um, the other thing I want to say about track, dear listener, if you happen to be in the UK... Um, in you, I, I've talked in the past about how angry I am that there still, 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 still is no track paracycling World Cups or World Championships on the calendar for this track season, which mm. this winter, or next track season. However, there is a paracycling um, international track meet at Newport in Wales. It doesn't have any qualification points towards the Paralympics. So, you know, but still, this is really amazing. It's the last day of November and the first two days of December. Yep. Please, please, let's meet up and go to it. Even if you don't want to stay in Newport, it is a bit of a dump. Um, you can stay in in, in um, Cardiff yeah. or you could stay and, and, and st- Sarah does. Lovely. Sarah does swear to me that even though it's in Wales, Wales isn't entirely horrible. So Wales is brilliant. I'm not even talking to you. It's full of singing coal miners. I don't understand what's brilliant, but anyway, apparently it's not horrible. So I'm sure half of Australia was built by Welsh people. It was not. It was built by the Chinese. Oh, uh, the other half. No, the other half was built by Scots-Irish, who were sent here for stealing bread. And Welsh. No, no, none of the Welsh. Anyway. The Welsh were sent to New Zealand. What I'm saying, dear people, is please, please, let's go to the Paracycling Cup and cheer on the amazing, amazing Paracycling superstars who just rocked our world at the Paralympics. And um, we can go home and go out on a night out in Bristol. And (laughs) yeah, great. And it'll be fantastic. We'll have a really good time. And, and to be great... fair, Sarah does know all the best places to get you blackout drunk in Bristol. So and 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 if you don't drink, I'll I can sort you out the best ginger beer and the best um, <laughs> coffee. Uh, please, please, let's hang out first weekend of December. Put it in your diary. Careful, careful, Sarah. Let's... You're sounding desperate for friends. Dial it back. <laughs> talk about one we mentioned cyclocross a lot we started with cyclocross so let's finish with it um a couple of weeks ago we mentioned sword panda's blog about her first cyclocross race and last night i read this fantastic blog by accidento bizarro about the first cyclocross race she actually started and finished She tells a fantastic story. She makes it sound brilliant. I really, really recommend um, 
recommend her blog. She's the woman behind the Fantastic Revs Per Minute um, Cycling Dreams site, which if you ever have a dream about cyclists, you have to share it with her because it's it's, it's a lovely compendium it's, of it's dreams. It's quite an eye-opening compendium of dreams, I should they're not ad. all rude they're mostly not rude they're mostly just bizarre but yes but yeah. yes um and if you've ever thought about riding a cyclocross race i highly highly recommend helen wyman's racing advice for mm. newbies on total women's cycling i mean helen's always very funny and yeah. actually i know for a fact that if you tweet her at cx helen and say hey helen i'm about to start my first race what advice do you have she'll send you advice that's even better than don't fall off yeah she will like mostly don't worry about where you are after the first lap no one can tell anyway (laughs) (laughs) brilliant yeah yeah oh well Mm. thank you for listening i didn't die i know i'm amazed sarah only collapsed into to fits of of lung churning coughing once so twice twice oh twice okay three Three times times a lady but uh yeah. yeah thank you very much for joining us um we will almost certainly be back next week pending death of of sarah um you know we will almost certainly be back next week to talk more shenanigans and stuff and also possibly things excellent thank you for listening bye